Chapter Twelve of Master of the Vineyard by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Asking, not answer. She's married and he isn't dead, and they're not divorced. She's married and he isn't dead, and they're not divorced. Rosemary kept saying it to herself mechanically, but no comfort came. Through the long night, wakeful and wretched, she brooded over the painful difference between the woman to whom Alden had plighted his troth and the beautiful stranger whom he saw every day. "'She's married,' Rosemary whispered to the coarse unbleached muslin of her pillow. "'And when we're married—' "'Ah, it would all be different then. But would it?' in a flash she perceived that marriage itself guarantees nothing in the way of love hurt to her heart's core rosemary sat up in bed and pondered while the tears streamed over her cheeks she had not seen alden since mrs lee came except the day she had gone there to tea wearing her white muslin under her brown alpaca there was no way to see him unless she went there again the very thought of that made her shudder or signalled from her hilltop with a scarlet ribbon and to her the hill of the muses was like some holy place that had been profaned the dainty feet of the stranger had set themselves upon her path in more ways than one what must life be out in the world when the world was full of women like mrs lee perhaps even more beautiful was every one married or not continually stabbed by some heart-breaking difference between herself and another having the gift of detachment immeasurably beyond woman man may separate himself from his grief contemplate it calmly in its various phases and with a mighty effort throw it aside woman on the contrary hugs her close to her aching breast and remorselessly turns the knife in her wound it is she who keeps anniversaries walks in cemeteries wears mourning and preserves trifles that sorrowfully have outlasted the love that gave them if she could only see him once and yet what was there to say or what was there to do beyond sobbing out her desolate heart in the shelter of his arms could she tell him that she was miserable because she had come face to face with a woman more beautiful than she that she doubted his loyalty his devotion from some far-off ancestor her woman's dower of pride and silence suddenly asserted itself in rosemary when he wanted her he would find her if he missed her signal fluttering from the birch-tree in the spring wind he could write and say so meanwhile she would not seek him though her heart should break from loneliness and despair craving the dear touch of him the sound of his voice or even the sight of his tall well-knit figure moving along swiftly in the dusk she compelled herself to accept the situation bitterness and all across her open window struck the single long deepening shadow that precedes daybreak then grey lights dawned on the far horizon paling the stars to points of pearl upon dim purple mists worn and weary rosemary slept until she was called to begin the day's dreary round of toil as mechanical as the ticking of a clock cold water removed the traces of tears from her cheeks but her eyes were red and swollen the cheap mirror exaggerated her plainness while memory pitilessly emphasized the beauty of the other woman as she dressed the thought came to her that no matter what happened she could still go on loving him that she might always give whether or not she received anything at all in return service she said to herself remembering her dream and sacrifice giving not receiving asking not answer 
if this indeed was love she had it in fullest measure so why should she ask for more rosemary yes she called back trying hard to make her voice even i'm coming it beats all grandmother said fretfully when she rushed breathlessly into the dining-room for the life of me i can't understand how you can sleep so much rosemary smiled grimly but said nothing here i've been settin waitin for my breakfast since before six and it's almost seven now never mind the girl returned kindly i'll get it ready just as quickly as i can i was just sayin grandmother continued when aunt matilda came into the room that it beats all how rosemary can sleep i've been up since half-past five and she's just beginnin to get breakfast and here you come trailin along with your hair not combed at ten minutes to breakfast time i should think you'd be ashamed my hair is combed matilda retorted quickly on the defensive i don't know when it was grandmother fretted i ain't seen it combed since i can remember then it's because you ain't looked any time you want to see me combin my hair you can come in i do it every morning grandmother laughed sarcastically pears like you thought you was one of them mermaids i was readin about it in the paper once they're half fish and half women and they set on rocks combin their hair and singin and the ships go to pieces on the rocks cause the sailors are so anxious to see em they forget where they're goin there ain't no rocks outside my doors i know of matilda returned and only one rocker inside no no your hair ain't like theirs neither the paper said their hair was golden must be nice and stiff matilda commented i'd hate to have my hair all wire grandmother lifted her spectacles from the wart and peered through them critically i don't know she said as it'll look any different except for the colour the way you're settin now against the light i can see bristles stickin out all over it same as if it was wire fluffy hair is all the style now said matilda complacently fluffy grandmother grunted if that's what you call it i reckon it'll soon go out it might have been out for fifteen or twenty years and you not know it i don't believe any self-respectin woman would let her hair go like that why in the name of common sense can't you take a hairbrush and wet it in cold water and slick it up so folks can see that it's combed mine's always slick and nobody can't say that it isn't yes matilda agreed with a scornful glance it is slick what there is of it grandmother's head burned pink through her scanty white locks and her eyes flashed dangerously somewhat frightened matilda hastened to change the subject she wears her hair like mine she repeated grandmother pricking up her ears who's she you know the company up to marshes who was tellin you the milkman or his wife none of em answered matilda mysteriously then lowering her voice to a whisper she added i seen her myself when grandmother demanded you been up there payin back your own call she went by here yesterday said matilda hurriedly what was i doin the old lady inquired resentfully one time you was asleep and one time you was readin what do you mean to tell me she went by here twice and you ain't never told me till now when you've been readin 
matilda rejoined with secret delight you've always told me and rosemary too that you want to be disturbed unless the house took a fire ain't she rosemary what asked the girl placing a saucer of stewed prunes at each place and drawing up the three chairs ain't she always said she didn't want to be disturbed when she was readin she indicated grandmother by an inclination of her frowsy head i don't believe any of us like to be interrupted when we're reading rosemary replied tactfully she disliked to take sides and always avoided it whenever possible there exclaimed matilda triumphantly and the other time pursued grandmother her eyes glittered and her cheeks burned with dull smouldering fires you was asleep i could have been woke up couldn't i you could have been matilda replied after a moment's thought but when you've been woke up i ain't never liked to be the one what did it if it's anything important grandmother observed as she began to eat i'm willin to be interrupted when i'm readin or to be woke up when i'm asleep and if that woman ever goes by the house again i want to be told of it and i want you both to understand it right here and now what woman queried rosemary she had been busy in the kitchen and had not grasped the subject of the conversation though the rumbling of it had reached her from afar marcia's company said both voices at once oh rosemary steadied herself for a moment against the back of her chair and then sat down have you seen her asked grandmother yes rosemary's answer was scarcely more than a whisper in her wretchedness she told the truth being unable to think sufficiently to lie when asked aunt matilda where demanded grandmother yesterday when i was out for a walk it was not necessary to go back of yesterday where was she insisted grandmother up on the hill i didn't know she was there when i went up she was at the top resting did she speak to you asked aunt matilda yes rosemary's voice was very low and had in it all the weariness of the world what did she say inquired grandmother with the air of the attorney for the defence the spectacles were resting upon the wart now and she peered over them disconcertingly i asked you what she said grandmother repeated distinctly after a pause she said how do you do miss starr how'd she know who you were there there mother put in aunt matilda i reckon everybody in these parts knows the starr family of course returned the old lady somewhat mollified what else did she say nothing much stammered rosemary that is i can't remember she said it was a nice day or something of that sort and then she went back home she didn't stay but a minute so much was true even though that minute had agonized rosemary beyond words what does she look like grandmother continued with deep interest not like anybody we know aunt matilda can tell you better than i can she saw her too accepting modestly this tribute to her powers of observation aunt matilda took the conversation out of rosemary's hands greatly to her relief the remainder of breakfast was a spirited dialogue grandmother's doubt on any point was quickly silenced by the sarcastic comment from matilda well bein as you've seen her and i haven't of course you know meanwhile rosemary ate not knowing what she ate choking down her food with glass after glass of water which by no means assuaged the inner fires while she was washing the breakfast dishes the other two were discussing mrs lee's hair 
grandmother insisted that it was a wig as play actresses always wore them and mrs lee was undoubtedly a play actress how do you know matilda inquired with sarcastic inflection if she ain't grandmother parried what she gallivantin around the country for without her husband maybe he's dead if he's dead why ain't she wearin mourning as any decent woman would she's either a play actress or else she's a divorced woman or maybe both either condition in grandmother's mind was the seal of social damnation if we was on callin terms with the marshes said matilda meditatively miss marsh might be bringin her here not twice returned grandmother with determination this is my house and i've got something to say about who comes in it i wouldn't even have miss marsh now after she's been hobnobbin with the likes of her after reverting for a moment to the copper-coloured hair which might or might not be a wig the conversation drifted back to mermaids and the seafaring folk who went astray on the rocks aunt matilda insisted that there were no such things as mermaids and grandmother triumphantly dug up the article in question from a copy of the household guardian more than three months old it's a lie just the same matilda protested though weakly as one in the last ditch matilda star the clarion note of grandmother's voice would have made the dead stir ain't i showed it to you in the paper to question print was as impious as to doubt holy writ rosemary was greatly relieved when mrs lee gave way to mermaids in the internal flow of talk she wondered sometimes that their voices did not fail them though occasionally a sulky silence or a nap produced a brief interval of peace she worked faithfully until her household tasks were accomplished discovering that no matter how one's heart aches one can do the necessary things and do them well early in the afternoon she found herself free instinct and remorseless pain led her unerringly to the one place where the great joy had come to her she searched her suffering dumbly and without mercy if she knew the reason why she's married and her husband isn't dead and they're not divorced parrot-like rosemary repeated the words to herself emphasizing each fact with a tap of her foot on the ground in front of her then a new fear presented itself clutching coldly at her heart perhaps they were going to be divorced and then something seemed to snap like the breaking of a strained tension rosemary had come to the point where she could endure no more and mercifully the pain was eased later on no doubt she could suffer again but for the moment she felt only a dull weariness in the background the ache slumbered like an ember that is covered with ashes but now she was at rest she looked about her curiously as though she were a stranger yet at the very spot where she stood mrs lee had stood yesterday her brown eyes cold with controlled anger when she made her sarcastic farewell when she first saw her she had been sitting on the log where alden usually sat down in the hollow tree was the wooden box that held the red ribbon shyly the nine silver birches with bowed heads had turned down the hillside and stopped across on the other side of the hill where god hung his flaming tapestries of sunset from the high walls of heaven rosemary had stood that day weeping and love had come to comfort her none of it mattered now nothing mattered any more she had reached the end whatever the end might be seemingly it was a great pause of soul and body the consciousness of arrival at the ultimate goal 
when she saw alden she would ask to be released she could tell him with some semblance of truth that she could not leave grandmother and aunt matilda because they needed her and after they had done so much for her she could not bring herself to seem ungrateful even for him the books were full of such things the eternal sacrifice of youth to age which age unblushingly accepts perhaps in remembrance of some sacrifice of its own he had told her long ago that she was the only woman he knew now he had another standard to judge her by and at the best she must fall short of it some day alden would marry he must marry and have a home of his own when his mother was no longer there to make it for him and she she was not good enough for him any more than cinderella was good enough for the prince the fact that the prince had considered cinderella fully his equal happily escaped rosemary now clearly before her lay the one thing to be done to tell him it was all a mistake and ask for freedom before he forced it upon her he had been very kind the other day when she had gone there to tea but naturally he had seen the difference must have seen it of course it would not be mrs lee rosemary could laugh at that now her jealousy of an individual had been merely the recognition of a type and her emotion the unfailing tribute inferiority accords superiority married and her husband not dead nor divorced manifestly it could not be mrs lee she longed to set him free to bid him mate with a woman worthy of him some glorious woman rosemary thought with abundant beauty and radiant hair with a low deep voice that vibrated through the room like some stringed instrument and lingered in melodious echoes like music that has ceased she saw her few days of joy as the one perfect thing she had ever had the one gift she had prayed for and received this much could never be taken away from her she had had it and been blessed by it and now the time had come to surrender it what was she that she might hope to keep it lo what am i to love the lord of all one little shell upon the murmuring sand one little heart flame sheltered in his hand the moment of shelter became divinely dear already in her remembrance she had placed a shrine to which she might go in silence when things became too hard she would have written to alden if she had had a sheet of paper and an envelope and a stamp but she had not and dared not face the torrent of questions she would arouse by asking for it her face transfigured by a passion of renunciation rosemary reached into the hollow tree for the wooden box and for the last time unwound the scarlet ribbon she tied it to the lowest bough of the birch when the school bell rang and went back to wait without emotion she framed the few words she would say just tell him it's all a mistake that they need me and i mustn't leave them and so good-bye and if he tries to kiss me for good-bye oh he mustn't for i couldn't bear that so rosemary sat and waited until almost dark but no one came alden had indeed hurried home to have afternoon tea with his mother and edith he had almost forgotten the oriflamme that sometimes signalled to him from the top of the hill and seldom even glanced that way in the gathering dusk rosemary took it down unemotionally it seemed only part of the great denial she put it back into the box and hid it in the tree service she said to herself as she went home and sacrifice giving not receiving asking not answer and this is love 
End of chapter 12